Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Asna Audio Majide Program. Arsenal versus West Ham United. Monday, 26th of December 2022. Kickoff, 8 pm. The contents. Captain's notes around Arsenal. Sustainability. Player feature Zinjenko. Community voice. Young gun Carl Hine. Around the academy. Women. Visitors West Ham. Inside job. Match action Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove Albion. Match action Wolves versus Arsenal. Minutes detail and teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes. After a break of nearly two months, we're so happy to finally be back at the Emirates in the Premier League. I have to say, I think the past few weeks have been really good for us. We've had the chance to recover, to rest, and then to start working again really hard and to refocus our minds on the second part of the season. For me personally, I've been able to do a lot in these last six weeks or so. First of all, Straight after the Wolves game, I joined up with my national team for a couple of friendly games, and then I had a week off. It was a bit tough for us guys who stayed at home to watch the others at the World Cup. That was difficult at first. It made you really want to be there and be part of it. To be honest, that was tough, but the positive side was to have a bit of a break, have a week off and then get back into work. We worked hard at London Colney, then went to Dubai for a couple of weeks as well to train as a team, so that was really good for us. I think we've used this break in a really good way and we can't wait to get started again. We feel refreshed. As I say though, it was a shame not to be at the World Cup. We really wanted to be there with Norway. It's so long since Norway has been in a tournament like this, but hopefully we can be there for the 2024 Euros. That's been our big goal for a long time now, so that's what we're working towards. But I watched nearly all of the World Cup games whenever I could. I was following my teammates mainly, of course. There were a few surprises. Morocco really impressed me, and of course Argentina too as winners. Like everyone else, I thought that Messi was just unbelievable throughout the tournament. Spain started the tournament really well, England as well. Then there were a load of strange results too. Overall, I thought it was really good to watch. The football was good with a lot of open games, a lot of things going on throughout the tournament. 
Then it all finished with that amazing final, so I have to say I really enjoyed it. We wondered what it would be like for everyone having the tournament in the middle of the season, but for the World Cup itself it was better because the players were ready and went into it in a good shape with a good match rhythm. The more interesting thing though is to see how it will affect the rest of the season from now. Will there be more injuries? How will players come back from it? How will it affect the teams that had a lot of players there? These will be the most interesting questions and we'll find out over the next few months. Training for us lately though has been really good. As I said, we went to Dubai during the World Cup and the players we had out there did a great job of being focused and motivated. We trained hard and I think our attitude has been great. It was a strange time of season. There could be disappointed people from not going to the World Cup or from being knocked out, but all I saw was a perfect attitude from everyone. In the games we played as well, the level was really high, so overall it was a great camp for us. We've all been working towards picking up where we left off before the break. Our last game was away to Wolves, which was a great win for us, and we just wanted the football to carry on at that point. Probably me especially as I scored twice that game. But everyone was really enjoying the moment, leading the league, and that's the position we're still in, so let's keep it going. It's up to us to be ready against West Ham, keep going the same way and improve where we can. Of course, the bad news for us during the break was the injury to Gabi Jesus. It's disappointing, especially for him, of course, but also to the whole team, because he's really important to us. The way he came in and lifted the standard and the quality from day one, it was huge for us. We're all here supporting Gabi to get back as soon as possible. So this is tough to take, but I know Eddie is more than ready to step in. I think he'll do that in a great way. He showed it towards the end of last season as well, when he started playing more regularly up front, and he did really well. I have to tell you, in training, Eddie's looking really sharp as well. He's always there for us, and I'm sure he's ready to step in, to help the team and keep us going in a good way, so I'm not too worried about that, to be honest. It's a big game for us to come back to against West Ham. They have even more quality than before. You see players like Paqueta in the squad, and their wingers are very dangerous too. They have a lot of attacking options and then Declan Rice is in the centre of midfield so we know what we face from them. We've had tough games against them before. They're physical too so we'll need to be at our best again. We need the win. That's our aim and hopefully we can carry on our run here at the Emirates. Before I finish, I want to pass on my congratulations on behalf of the whole men's team to Beth Mead for winning Sports Personality of the Year. I know how much of an achievement this is. In fact, I was told she's the first Arsenal winner of the award, male or female, so it's a huge honour for the club. I know too that both Beth and Viv Miadema suffered bad injuries, so I'd like to pass on my best wishes for a speedy recovery too. The whole club is behind you both. Finally, I hope you all had a great Christmas day yesterday. We were in for training over the last two days, so it's a bit different for us, but the best way for us to enjoy our Christmas is to get three points today. Enjoy the game. Around Arsenal Three years for Mikel Mikel Arteta celebrated three years as Arsenal manager on December 20th. The Spaniard has an excellent record at the helm, which reads as follows. League played 110, won 61, drawn 17, lost 32, for 181 against 119. FA Cup 
played nine, won seven, drawn zero, lost two, four thirteen against five. UEL played twenty two, won fifteen, drawn three, lost four, four forty three against eighteen. League Cup played ten, won six, drawn one, lost three, four twenty against ten. Community Shield played one, won one, drawn zero, lost zero, four one against one. Total played one hundred and fifty two, won ninety, drawn twenty one, lost forty one, four two hundred and fifty eight against one hundred and fifty three. Mikel's 59.21% win rate is better than any other Arsenal manager in history, with Arsene Wenger in second place on 57.98%. Firstly, I want to say that it has been an honour and a privilege to manage this club for the past three years, said Mikel, who also captained the Gunners during his five years as a player. What we have developed in three years has been remarkable. I feel such a strong togetherness in the playing and coaching group and I think that is also true of the supporters. We can really feel that unity and it is definitely something that has inspired us to get to the level we have reached this season. And we are absolutely determined to maintain these standards. I can see that in the attitude the players have demonstrated during the mid-season break. I want to thank you for your magnificent support and hope everyone had a great Christmas. We would also like to wish you all a very happy new year. I'm sure 2023 is going to be a very exciting one for this football club. Super 6. Invited to the match as guests of the club today are six people who certainly aren't strangers to Arsenal Football Club. They're all celebrating 25 years service for the Gunners. We would like to say a huge thank you to Operations and Venue Senior Manager Natalie McCulloch Arsenal in the Community Administration Manager, Beverly Nichols. Stadium Manager, Mark Pierce. Retail Store Manager, Jason Savage. Youth Academy Administrator, Sue Ship, And Head of Women's Football, Claire Wheatley. All six staff have made immense contributions to Arsenal during their long careers, which span our 16 years at Emirates and 9 years at Highbury and they will also be invited to watch a game from the director's box later this season. Official Programme Pin Badge Today we launch a brand new programme product, our official pin badge created exclusively for our readers. These badges will be available for £3 only when you buy a programme at Emirates Stadium on match day, and we think they look amazing. They are 12-sided and feature very traditional elements such as the ermine motif and an adaption of the Art Deco crest, alongside using the club's new typeface for the wording North London Forever. If you love old-school memorabilia with a modern twist, you will want one of these limited-edition pin badges. Ref Watch Tonight's referee is Michael Oliver, who recently officiated at the World Cup in Qatar. The Northumberland official has refed two Gunners games this season, our 3-2 home victory over Liverpool and the 1-0 win at Chelsea, and has been on the Premier League list since 2010-11. This season, Michael has been in charge of 12 Premier League games, handing out 39 yellow cards and one red. He was most recently in charge at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, 
taking charge of Croatia's victory over Brazil. Hospital visits. As is tradition, Arsenal players and staff travelled to local hospitals last week. We'll feature a report and pictures in the Newcastle programme. Boxing Day Blues for Opponents Let's hope we can maintain our excellent record on Boxing Day this evening. We have won all three of our Boxing Day games at the Emirates and we remain unbeaten at home in the Premier League era. Our last home defeat on Boxing Day was 13 matches ago on Boxing Day 1987 against Nottingham Forest. This is the third time we've met West Ham in the Premier League on Boxing Day. We won 1-0 at home in 1998 and 3-1 away in 2013. Only Thierry Henry, 7, has scored more Boxing Day goals in the Premier League for us than Bukayo Saka, 3. Boxing Day record in the Premier League. Played 24, won 15, drawn 7, lost 2, 4-44 against 19. Arsenal win Super Cup. The Gunners enjoyed a largely successful World Cup break, winning two friendly matches to clinch the Dubai Super Cup during a 10-day warm-weather training camp in the United Arab Emirates before losing a match we dominated against Juventus at the Emirates. Mikel Arteta took a 27-strong squad to Dubai, with Matt Turner, Ben White, Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka joining the group after their involvement in the World Cup ended. The boss included a number of youth players, including schoolboys Ethan Nwaneri and Miles Lewis Skelly. First up, three goals in the space of 21st half minutes got us off to a winning start against Lyon in Dubai. Gabriel opened the scoring with a header from a corner. Eddie Nicotier finished off a rapid break to make it 2-0 and Fabio Vieira rounded out the goals with a curling effort from 20 yards. All games in the Dubai Super Cup ended with a penalty shootout, with a bonus point up for grabs. And Carl Hine was the star of the show, making no fewer than four saves as we triumphed 2-1. The Gunners then clinched the Dubai Super Cup with a maximum eight points after a hard-fought 2-1 victory over AC Milan. Martin Odegaard struck first, clipping a wonderful free kick over the wall midway through the first half. Reese Nelson doubled our advantage just before the break. The young winger claiming the goal despite the shot being diverted past the keeper off Odegaard's boot. Milan pulled a goal back with 12 minutes remaining through ex-Chelsea defender Fikeo Tomori. But the Gunners held on to claim victory and then won another shootout, with Hein making another save as we ran out 4-3 winners. Back in England... Arsenal lost 2-0 to Juventus on December 17th, despite controlling the game for long periods. Goals in stoppage time at the end of each half proved the difference. With a granite Zaka own goal and a strike from Highbury raised Samuel Illing Jr. giving the Italian Giants victory. Nicotere had two goals ruled out either side of the break and, on the plus side, Elements of the performance pleased Arteta ahead of our return to Premier League action today. Beth Mead is spotty 2022. Huge congratulations to our forward Beth Mead, who was voted BBC Sports Personality of the Year in a public vote last Wednesday. 
Beth was player of the tournament in the Lionesses' Euro success and top scored at the tournament too, as well as having a fantastic year for Arsenal too, of course. I am incredibly honoured to win this award, said Beth, on receiving the famous trophy at the ceremony in Manchester. I've got this accolade because I did my job. I scored a few goals, but I wouldn't have done it without my team, and I certainly wouldn't have done it without my dad, my mum and all my family. Most of all, this is for women's sport, and for women's sport heading in the right direction. Let's keep pushing girls and keep doing the right thing. The first ever Arsenal Spotty. We are hugely proud of your achievement, Beth. Well done. Dates for the diary. Our upcoming Premier League home game against Newcastle United on Tuesday, January 3rd will now start at 7.45pm, rather than the previously arranged 8pm. Here are the other games that have been rearranged. Tottenham vs Arsenal, Sunday, January 15th, 4.30pm, Sky Sports. Arsenal vs Manchester United, Sunday, January 22nd, 4.30pm, Sky Sports. Everton vs Arsenal, Saturday, February 4th, 12.30pm, BT Sport. Aston Villa vs Arsenal, Saturday, February 18th, 12.30pm, BT Sport. Meanwhile, our Women's Super League fixtures in January have also been confirmed. Arsenal vs Chelsea, Emirates Stadium, Sunday, January 15th, 12pm, Sky Sports. Brighton vs Arsenal, Broadfield Stadium, Sunday, January 22nd, 6.45pm, Sky Sports. Finally, our Under-21 Sides Premier League Cup game against Burnley has been moved to Wednesday, January 18th. The match at Meadow Park will kick off at 7pm. What a picture. We thought you might like to see the club Christmas card that the club emailed out this season. It's a beauty, isn't it? You may recognise the work of artist and huge Arsenal fan Daryl Rainbow, who is also responsible for the backdrop in the club's studio, which you can see on Breakdown Live. If you want to look at more of Daryl's work, go to darylrainbow.co.uk. It's Oxford in the Cup. Our Emirates FA Cup campaign will begin with a third-round tie against League One side Oxford United. We were paired with the U's during the draw and will travel to Kassam Stadium on Monday, January 9th. The match kicks off at 8pm and will be shown live on ITV. We last faced Oxford in the competition back in 2003 at the same stage when we won 2-0 at Highbury thanks to a Dennis Bergkamp strike and an own goal in what would prove to be our first step towards winning the competition that campaign. Oxford have reached the third round after beating Woking and Exeter City, with former gunner Marcus McGain starting in both those victories. McGain also came through the Hale End Academy and made two first-team appearances for us, both in the Europa League in the 2017-18 season before leaving for Barcelona. Get well soon, Gabby, Beth and Viv. We'd like to wish all the very best to Gabriel Jesus, Beth Mead and Viviane Midema in their recovery from injury. Gabby has successfully undergone surgery to his right knee after picking up an injury during the Brazil vs Cameroon World Cup group stage match. 
Beth, meanwhile, suffered a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament in our recent match against Manchester United at Emirates Stadium, and Viv suffered a similar injury in our Champions League clash with Lyon earlier this month. We're with all three of you as you work your way back to fitness. Meet the mascots. Today's home mascot is Noah, aged eight, from Beckenham. His favourite players are Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus. The away mascot is Elsie, aged 11, from Prestatin, and we hope you both have a wonderful day with us. Young Gunners on the march in Youth Cup. Arsenal's under-18s kicked off their FA Youth Cup campaign with a comprehensive 6-0 win over Millwall on December 19th. Jimmy Gower curled home the opener early on and Ethan Wanneri doubled the advantage with a thunderous strike. Mikhail Rosiak then got in on the act by scoring with another fine curling shot and Amario Cozia Duvery poked home early in the second half. Amari Benjamin then scored a late double to put the seal on an impressive win for Jack Wilshire's youngsters. Notice board. Totalizer, £300. Congratulations, Jake, Jessica and Millie on the birth of baby Louie, another little gooner in the family. With love, the Cordrys, Harnies, Ponzinis, Millie H, Germaine and of course Nanny June. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 40th birthday, Eddie Murnin. When you had the choice to go anywhere, you chose here, your favourite place on earth. Enjoy my love. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 10th birthday, Theo Mock. Love mum, dad, Juno, Charlie and Homer. Happy 60th birthday, Emilio, dad, Zorlaki. An ardent gooner introduced to Arsenal aged eight. Hope you enjoyed your surprise party. Love, Louisa, Leslie, Lolita and Layla. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Emilio Mick Zolaki. Happy 60th birthday from all your friends, especially all the South Mims away coach travellers and colleagues at Arsenal FC. Happy 10th birthday, George Dolman. Love, Mummy, Daddy and Toby. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 90th birthday, Roy Huggett. All our love always from all the family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. A big welcome to Texans Kerry and Julie joining us for their first game today. Mozeltov, Aaron Crickler, on your bar mitzvah and return to the Arsenal. B-H-N-C-O-Y-G. Happy 80th birthday wishes, Robin Jordan. Our love dad, granddad and lifelong Arsenal fan. Happy 40th, Gary, and first Christmas, Helio, from all the family. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Michelle. Cheers for not booting off that I'm going to the match instead. See you tomorrow, Luke. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Daddy. Love, Tildy and Heidi. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 21st birthday, Robin Caffrey. Love, Mum and Olivia. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Arsenal remembers. Leslie Land, a passionate Arsenal supporter during her too short life, curtailed by her sudden death age 41. With dad, Brooke, brother Daniel, cousins William, Ben and Alfie, her most wonderful and occasionally frustrating weekends were spent watching her team and above all Henry and Saka, RIP. Matt Dillon, Gooner since 1950, 
passed away October 22, 2022. 2-0 is a dangerous scoreline. Roy Brisley, lifelong Arsenal fan, will be missed on match days by son and grandson. Forever red and white. Roger Poor, passed in October, age 75. Roger was a beloved husband, dad, granddad and lifelong gooner who will be missed by all. Alex Baish, loving mother of Freddie and Rosie and wife of lifelong gooner Richard Baish. Ali Paul Mehmet, dearly loved son, brother, partner, friend who lit up any room he entered. Cherished by all who had the honour of meeting him. Gooner home and away. Gone but never forgotten. See you on the other side, mate. Michael Robeson, May 17th, 1962, November 10th, 2022. A devoted fan who lived in Darlington with much memorabilia in his room. Sadly missed by his good friends Diana and Sean. Michael Knowles, taken from us October 16th, 2022. A lifelong supporter for 78 years. Happy birthday, Dad. We all love and miss you. As usual, off to the coronet now to have a drink to you. Sweet as a nut. Lovely. NMR shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And this evening, Antoinette and Quervin will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red Shirts. Antoinette is a youth volunteer with the Copenhagen Youth Project in Islington. As well as working supporting other local young people, Antoinette brings a wide skill set to the organisation and is a great role model for other young people in the project. Antoinette works on all CYP social media platforms and also works with the girls organising trips and helping to facilitate a girls group providing a safe space for girls to talk, discuss and plan various experiences both in and outside of CYP. Quavin is a former participant from our PL Kicks and Employability programs who has been volunteering for over a year on our Kicks program in Hackney. He uses his experience from the program to motivate and inspire the next generation of young people and lead sports activities. Quavin also takes part in community social action projects and is an ambassador for young people from the community. He is a fantastic role model and youth mentor who demonstrates a passion for working with young people in the local community. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Newcastle United. Premier League. Tuesday, January 3rd, 2023. Kick-off, 7.45pm. Tickets are on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service until 4.45pm on Tuesday, January 3rd. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Manchester United, Premier League, Sunday, January 22nd, kick-off 4.30pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 1.30pm on Sunday, January 22nd. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. 
Arsenal versus Brentford, Premier League, Saturday, February 11th, kick-off, 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange service up until 12pm on Saturday, February 11th. Booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Away tickets. Brighton and Hove Albion, Premier League, Saturday, December 31st, kick-off, 5.30pm. Amex Stadium. This game sold out to Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members with 15-plus away points. Oxford United vs Arsenal, FA Cup, third round, Monday, January 9th, kick-off, 8pm. Kassam Stadium. This game sold out to Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members with 45-plus away points. Tottenham Hotspur, Premier League, Sunday, January 15th, kick-off, 4.30pm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This game sold out to Platinum, Gold and current Travel Club members with 25-plus away points. Sustainability. Our Bore Lionesses. Our project in Kenya has been a great boost for the local football team, the Bore Lions, who were supplied with Arsenal kit last season and have been representing the club with great pride and no little skill in their local league. But as great advocates for women's football here at Arsenal, we were thrilled to get word from Bore that the women in the village were keen to set up their own team for the very first time. And the Bore Lionesses have been born. In October, we sent over a giant box of last season's kit and training kit, and it is now being proudly sported by Bore's very own women's team. The team have regular training sessions against their reserve team. There are lots of women who want to play and are hoping to set up some formal fixtures against other women's team in southern Kenya soon. We're really proud of your desire to play the beautiful game, Lionesses, and we hope the famous kit inspires you to victory. Five Star Service It is a very rare opportunity to get to meet an Olympic gold medal winner, even rarer to meet one with two golds and three world championship golds too. So it was with great pleasure and admiration that we welcomed sailor Hannah Mills to London Colney. The occasion made even more memorable by her being accompanied by another highly talented sportswoman, British rower Melissa Wilson, herself a holder of three Silver World Championship medals. But the reason for the visit wasn't a training session. It was an opportunity to spend time with our women's team, not short of sporting superstars themselves, to talk about how we can use the power of sport to try and make sustainable changes to where and how we live. Jonas Eideval's team listened intently as our two guests talked about the importance of standing up and using our voices to make change and how we can all take action. It was fascinating to hear how these sportswomen had started to engage with fellow sportsmen and women to help to drive social and environmental change. 
this was just the first of hopefully several sessions where we can use the inspirational stories and work of athletes to help drive forward the sustainability campaigns of the club. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 19,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5-acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small sustainable step in the right direction and also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information of our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Net Zero Heroes Every programme we hear how a member of the Arsenal women's squad is thinking about sustainability. Being more sustainable isn't all about making the big gestures. Lots of small positive changes can add up to make a real difference. And Steph Cately tells us of a recent change she's made, and it involved her beloved Golden Retriever Poodle Cross Calvin. There's lots of things we can do, and it was really interesting to have the presentation from Holly and Melissa recently to hear their perspective. But here's a tip for dog owners out there. Did you know you can now get biodegradable poo bags? Well, I do now, and every time I buy them for Calvin, I always get biodegradable ones now, so the plastic won't sit on the landfill site for decades. Caitly and dogs, a winning combination. Thank you, fans. We are so proud to be able to say that over 20,000 trees have now been planted in Boré, the official number purchased by Arsenal Football Club and you, the fans, was 20,125 as of December 21st. As we mentioned in a previous programme, this now represents a plantation the size of 11 Emirates football pitches, which we think is pretty amazing. In all, 4,625 trees have now been bought by fans, and we are hugely grateful for your generosity and proud that so many of you have decided to join us on this sustainability journey and of course helps so many people in the community of Boré. But we are close to a couple of other milestones which we'd love you to help us tick off. Firstly, it would be great if we could get the fan forest numbers up to 5,000, which feels like an achievable aim in the next few months. And before we hit that number, it looks very hopeful that we'll have 100 supporters who have joined us in the forest project. We have currently had 98 fans buy trees. Let's make it 100 as soon into 2023 as possible. Player feature. Inspirational Zinchenko. We speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. 
Alexander Zinchenko may have grown up more than 2,000 kilometers from Emirates Stadium, but the Gunners have occupied a special place in his heart since childhood. We spoke to our Ukraine international about how Arsenal, together with his family, have been two huge sources of inspiration throughout his career to date. When Tony Adams visited the Emirates earlier this season, one of the Arsenal supporters lucky enough to get a photo with the Gunners legend was our very own Alexander Zinchenko. An Arsenal fan since childhood, Alex is fully aware of the club's history and the big names that have come before him in the famous red and white. So, when he had the opportunity to meet Mr Arsenal, he didn't miss out, even asking our club photographer to capture the moment as well. Yes, it's true, Alex smiles. I asked club photographer Stuart McFarlane if he would introduce me to Tony and also take a picture. He is absolutely a legend. I've seen clips of him playing on the internet. I know about his reputation. But also, I remember the words of my ex-national team coach, Andrei Shevchenko. He used to always say to me that Tony Adams was the toughest defender he ever faced in his career. I told Tony that when we met. He was laughing. He's a great guy. Tony is a joker. But what a player he was. Thank God I didn't have to play against him in my career. Now an Arsenal defender himself, it's no surprise that Alex was inspired by the likes of Tony Adams, arguably the greatest defender in our history. But the Ukraine international reveals that it was actually the game's flair players that were his early heroes, and in particular one of the most skillful number 10s of them all, Ronaldinho. Yes, because I was a striker myself when I started, he explains. Then I was a left winger, then midfield, now a left back. Maybe I will finish as a centre back or a goalkeeper. But it was the forwards I enjoyed watching. It was Ronaldinho when he was at Barcelona. He was just unbelievable. Everyone had their idols, and mine was Ronaldinho. For me, I'd say he's the greatest player ever. Of course, there is no doubt how good Lionel Messi is, and everyone has their own tastes and their favourites. But for me, the best was Ronaldinho. But of course Alex has grown up as an Arsenal fan, and our team of the mid-noughties contained enough flair players of its own to help him fall in love with the Gunners. I always watched Arsenal, he says. People know I was an Arsenal supporter when I was a kid. That was because I loved watching the players like Thierry Henry, Chesk Fabregas and Dennis Bergkamp too. I watched him, but mainly I was watching a bit later when Robin Van Persie was up front with Omri. Chesk was there too, and it was a fantastic team. We didn't have many television channels to choose from, so when I was growing up I would watch the Premier League to see the Arsenal games, but also every single Barcelona match as well, the Champions League also. When I was a kid my inspirations were top, top footballers, because I was dreaming of being a footballer, Alexander adds. Of course, at the time, you don't really think about it like inspiration, but when you grow up, you realise that those players and those people really influenced you and inspired you to do what I'm doing now. Now that Alex is the one providing inspiration to budding young footballers, back in his home country and beyond, it's closer to home that he seeks motivation and stimulus. Growing up as a kid, it was the footballers I loved watching, he states, but today my family are my big inspiration now, that's for sure. I'm always thinking about them. That's my wife and my little one, and my two dogs. But of course my whole family, my parents and my wife's parents, my grandparents, 
the whole family, but closest are my wife and my little one. I am an only child, so I have no brothers or sisters, but my family is close. His two big inspirations then are family and football, and throughout his career and life so far, the two have been closely linked. I always say that a football team is like your second family, he says. You spend so much time with your team, sometimes more time than you are at home with your wife and child. So it's important that your team feels like your family as well. Never more was this important for Alex than when he moved clubs for the first time as a young player. In fact, as a very young player. The fullback takes up the story. I'm from a very small city, a population of just 12,000 people, and I was with the local team back in Ukraine called Carpatia. We used to train twice a week there. I was six or seven when I started there. Then, at the age of 11, I moved to another academy called Monolit Ilichivsk, which was 550 kilometers away from my home. So, I left home at the age of 11. For the first couple of months I was there, I used to cry into my pillow, he recalls. It was very difficult for me in the beginning and difficult for my family, but my coaching staff there helped me a lot. You know, 550 kilometres is a long way to be from home, so I needed the support of those coaches. That's why I say that your football team is your family too. But it was Alex's real family, and specifically his mum, who gave him vital support at the start of his career. He said that the way he managed to overcome adversity at that young age has stood him in good stead ever since and helped him settle into English football many years later. When I first arrived at Monolit, I had a couple of trial games and I did well, he continues. I scored some goals, I made a lot of assists. One game I played as striker, the other as left winger and I played well. So they wanted to take me. But I remember at the time I was staying in a hotel room with two goalkeepers. They were both there for the trial as well. I remember that day very well. One of the keepers was talking to his mum on the phone out on the balcony and I saw him crying on the phone saying, Mum, please take me back home. So guess what I did after I saw that? I did exactly the same. I called my mum and said, Sorry, I can't do this. She was really good. She was asking what was wrong, if anything was the matter. I went back home for a couple of days to see her, but then I was okay. She spoke to me, was there for me and made me feel better, and I came back to the club. I was okay after that, and the coaches looked after me. That experience made me much stronger. I had made that move as a young kid, so I was much stronger in my head than I thought. So then, when I moved to the UK when I was 19, that was much easier because of what I did when I was 11. I had already grown up quite a lot by the time I went to sign for Manchester City. I was ready, even as a 19-year-old. And now Alex is firmly at home in English football. He won four Premier League titles, four League Cups and one FA Cup while at City, before making the switch to Arsenal this summer. Now aged 26, he celebrated his birthday 11 days ago, he says he has already found that family feeling he cherishes so much at his new club. Despite being here for less than six months, his relationship with the club goes back much farther. I used to wear the Arsenal shirt when I was 15, he says. Have you seen the picture of me with my old teammates on social media where I am wearing the shirt? Already that was a special feeling to wear it then, because I was a massive supporter of Arsenal. I won't lie to you. 
It meant a lot to wear that as a fan. I always kept saying it's my dream to play there one day, so when I signed and I joined up with the team in America during pre-season, it was a different feeling. It was a very different feeling to when I wore it as a 15-year-old, that's for sure. My first game was a friendly against Chelsea on tour, and I will always remember it. It was a really memorable night for me, especially with the scoreline that night. We won 4-0 in Orlando, and being in the stadium with so many Arsenal supporters there. They are feelings that you just cannot describe. Then, my first team debut for real was in the Premier League away to Crystal Palace. My wife was there that night watching me from the stands. She couldn't believe that after just five minutes, the fans were singing a song for me. This is something we couldn't even dream about. This sort of welcome from the fans, he says. It was unbelievable. So I'd like to say a massive thanks to everyone for that, and I will always be grateful. It's why I always give everything for the team every time I'm on the pitch. Community Voice Project Crisis at Christmas Arsenal Community Established September 2013 Participants in starting 1000 plus Sessions Christmas Day More information Luke Howard Email lhoward at arsenal.co.uk Arsenal in the community have a long-standing commitment to supporting projects that make a lasting difference to people's lives. One example is the support we provide to national homelessness charity crisis during the Christmas period. Over the past nine years, this has included arranging donations, providing match tickets, delivering training sessions and hosting an annual football tournament for people experiencing homelessness at Christmas. Ian Richards, head of Christmas at Crisis, says Arsenal in the community's assist programme has become a highlight for many of our Crisis at Christmas guests who are taking their first steps out of homelessness. The quality football training helps restore confidence, dignity and motivation and the inter-centre football tournament takes our centres by storm with volunteers, staff and guests going wild each time their team wins. Being part of a team does wonders for our guests. They gain a sense of belonging, build trust and forge lasting friendships. We are thrilled that after two difficult years, the tournament is back and Arsenal will be providing coaching for guests at our Camden Day Centre as well as hosting the tournament. Arsenal have also very kindly offered tickets to 15 guests for the West Ham game. Thank you for all you do to support people experiencing homelessness in your local community. Luke Howard, Arsenal in the Community Accessibility Coordinator, says, Over the last nine years, I have seen our relationship with Crisis Evolve, working in partnership to look at where we can be most supportive and learning from volunteers and guests about how we can be better. The programme is highly valued by staff and it's a source of great pride that the club provides this support. One of our crisis guests says, A lot of people who are here are lonely at Christmas. They have no family. And to have this week bringing everyone together creates a nice community. 
Any issues we have, we help each other with. We give that support to each other. Another crisis guest says, No one deserves to be homeless. No one. Do you know what we mean? We are all human beings. Crisis is the national charity for people experiencing homelessness. This year, we've seen the impact of the cost of living crisis in our year-round services where we support people struggling with unaffordable housing and other living costs. Once again, we're standing with people facing homelessness this Christmas. At this time and throughout the year, we help people directly out of homelessness and campaign for the social changes needed to solve it altogether. Every Christmas, we mobilise a unique volunteering effort to provide warmth, companionship and vital services to people facing homelessness at one of the toughest times of the year. For more information, please visit www.crisis.org.uk. The smaller of the two photographs in the print version of the programme shows Ian Richardson of Crisis, who do amazing work for the homeless all year round. And the caption for the other is, Arsenal in the community and Crisis work together to help people taking their first steps out of homelessness enjoy Christmas. Young Gun, Carl Hine Interview, Nick Brumsack Photography, Stuart McFarlane, David Price Carl Hine is a member of a pretty unique club. Aged just 18, he was yet to make a senior club appearance when he was handed his full international debut in Estonia's 1-0 UEFA Nations League defeat to Georgia. As is to be expected from the calm yet fiercely determined goalkeeper, Carl took the experience fully in his stride, and, under the guidance of former gunner Mart Poom, the six-foot-four-inch twenty-year-old has made his country's number one shirt very much his own since. Carl has developed serenely at club level too, and was rewarded with an Arsenal debut in the recent Carabao Cup tie against Brighton and Hove Albion before keeping a clean sheet in our Dubai Super Cup win over Lyon, making four penalty saves in the post-match shootout. The second Estonian, after Poom, to represent our first team, Carl is understandably pleased with how the 2021-22 campaign has started, both on a personal and collective level. And now, with the team fighting for silverware on three fronts, our talented stopper is ready to give his all to help us, in his words, smash the second half of the season. Carl, what are your first memories of playing for a first team? I was around 16 and played at a semi-pro club in Estonia called Nom United. I made my debut and kicked on from there. But my first competitive men's match was when I went on loan to Reading. I'd actually already made my national team debut at that point, though. You mentioned your senior international debut at 18 years old. What can you tell us about that? It was a funny situation, because before the game I hadn't played a match for five or six months due to the Covid break. I went from that straight into my national team debut against Georgia. It was just an unbelievable experience to represent my country at such a young age. It was definitely an honour for me. How did representing Estonia at youth level help you? 
I started playing for Estonia at under-15s and then went to the under-16s and the under-17s where I played with those a year older than me. I played well in some European Championship qualifiers in Tallinn and it felt like everything really started from there. Your goalkeeping coach at Estonia is Mart Poom, himself a former gunner. What's he like to work with? He's been my goalkeeping coach since I was 14 when I changed clubs back home and has been with me in the national team for two or three years. It's unbelievable to work with a legend like Pumi. He had a great career, and growing up he was always my idol and mentor. I feel very privileged to have worked with him. Have you and Mark discussed Arsenal much? Every now and then we'll have a chat or a call and discuss how things are going at the club. I keep in touch with him on football matters and on everyday life situations too. This is your fifth season at Arsenal. Tell us a bit about your journey. My journey at Arsenal has been really good so far. I came here as a boy and since then I've grown. It has been a long journey with a lot of good experiences and some not so good experiences. It's been a bit of a roller coaster journey but I've enjoyed it and I've really learnt a lot. I started off well in my first season, but then broke my wrist and had to have an operation for the first time. In my second season, I was happy. I played with the under-23s and we managed to get to the semi-final of the Premier League Cup before it was cancelled because of Covid. I started to be more involved with the first team in my third season and then got another injury. Last season, I was invited to pre-season with the first team in Scotland. I played my first match for them and then had a successful period with the national team and alone too. I've had ups and downs, but I feel like I've learned from the downs. How much did you learn from your loan spell at Reading last season? It was a very big learning experience. I made my debut at club level there and to have five games in the championship was very valuable. Reading were in a tough period but managed to survive relegation and that was of course really important. My time there finished with an injury but as I mentioned those five games were really important for my development. Now you've been promoted to the first team dressing room too. Yes I was very happy to finally be together with the big boys every day. I study their routines and being involved with them regularly is the way you improve the most. You need to train with the best to keep improving all the time. You made your first team debut against Brighton in November. How did you find that experience? I was really happy and honoured to represent the club. A dream come true. I've wanted to do it since I was a kid. Unfortunately, my family couldn't make it. But the family I lived with in Diggs for over three years, Sally, Richard, Eloise, Alex and Sophie, were there along with their partners. What did Mikel and the coaches say to you after your debut? It was a tough game against a good opponent. I have a lot to learn from that game and a lot to improve on, but overall to make my Arsenal debut was a really big honour. The next time you featured for the first team was against Lyon in Dubai, where you saved four penalties in the shootout. The Lyon game was really good. We performed well as a team throughout and did an excellent job, scoring some nice goals and keeping a clean sheet. 
Saving four of the penalties in the shootout was a record for me. It's not something I've done before. In that situation, it's just about getting the right feeling, seeing what the opponent might do and trying to react as quickly as possible. Finally, Carl, what are your ambitions for the rest of the season? I want to finish the season well. We've got a lot we're aiming for in the Premier League, Europa League and the FA Cup. I want to help us to get all those trophies and smash the second half of the season. Around the Academy Academy Roundup Mehmet Ali expressed his pride as his under-21 side recorded an impressive 2-1 win over Monaco in the Premier League International Cup on Monday, November 14th. Goals either side of half-time from midfielders Katalin Kirjan and Jack Henry Francis were enough to see off the challenge of a physical Monaco side as we claimed our first win in the competition. This result shows how far we've come, said Ali. It's a great sign that even though we're winning, the players are still holding each other accountable. What I love about this group is the urgency to improve week in and week out. I'm glad they feel like that because our target is for all of these players to get into Arsenal's first team. Five days later, a much-changed and youthful under-21 side earned a hard-fought point against Stoke City as we drew 1-1 in the Premier League on Saturday, November 19th. Zach Orr was the only starter from the win over Monaco to keep his place, but despite the changes, Arsenal dominated in the first half and took the lead early on through a Kayon Edwards penalty. We were unable to add to our lead, however, and were punished just before the break when the visitors equalised against the run of play. Next up, Ali Rudow missed opportunities as we bowed out of the Papa John's trophy with a 3-2 defeat to Stevenage on Tuesday, November 22nd. Nathan Butler Oyadeji, who already had three goals to his name in the competition this season, continued his impressive scoring streak to give us the lead inside five minutes. Stevenage turned it around to lead 2-1 early in the second half, but we rallied back and equalised through Amario Cozier-Jubery, who finished off a stunning move. However, the host struck late on to move into the next round. It's a tough result to take, as we created plenty of opportunities and should have scored a second or a third, Ali said. It was a real test for us tonight because you have a crowd here and there's more of an expectation, as in it's an important game. The under-21s did get back to winning ways with a comprehensive 4-1 victory over Swansea City in the Premier League Cup on Saturday, November 26th. Ali's side were undeterred by torrential rain in Wales and got off to a fast start through Kirjan before Butler Oyadeji continued his impressive scoring streak to double the advantage. Charles Sago Jr. made it three moments before the break as Kirjan completed his brace with what was all but the last kick of the half as we blew away our hosts to remain top of Group G after four matches. Unfortunately, Ali's side followed that victory by slipping to a first defeat of the season at Meadow Park by going down 1-0 to Sparta Prague in the Premier League International Cup on Wednesday, November 30th. In a game of few chances, the Czech side recorded a late winner to leave us fourth in Group B after three matches. After the match, centre-back Zach Orr was determined to not be too disheartened. I felt that we did well playing out from the back and stuck to our style well, he said. They pressed us man for man a lot, but our style of play did beat them higher up the pitch. We'll go again and hopefully rectify the mistakes we made today. Moving on to the under-18s, 
Jack Wilshere commended our spirit in the second half as we were narrowly beaten 2-1 by Southampton in the under-18 Premier League on Saturday, November 19th. Despite Seb Ferdinand's second-half penalty, two goals either side of half-time from the Saints were enough to see them steal three points from London Colney. After the match, Wilshere remained upbeat about how the team responded to going two goals down and plans to use the second-half performance as a platform to build on. This group have a never-say-die attitude, and we showed that when we went 2-0 down, he said. Ultimately, this level is all about learning and developing. The best way to develop is to learn from your mistakes, and we're training really hard to correct the errors we make. The young gunners then went on to lose 4-1 at home to West Ham on Saturday, November 26th. Our London rivals took the lead midway through the first half, before adding two quick-fire goals to go 3-0 up at the break. We scored a late consolation goal through Matthias Roberts, who fired in from close range, but the visitors added another late on to prevent all hope of a comeback. We had a 15-minute spell where we gave three goals away and the game was gone, said Wilshire. We started the game really well and were comfortable up until we got to the final third. Arsenal Women Arsenal well-placed in the league. The Women's Super League is currently on its winter break, with the standing showing that things couldn't be much tighter at the top heading into the new year. Chelsea sit on the summit, three points ahead of the Gunners, who have a game in hand, and five points ahead of Manchester United, who have also played one game fewer than the West Londoners. And who have Arsenal got next as they aim to take the title for the first time since 2018-19? Chelsea, of course, at Emirates Stadium, all the details of which you can find within the programme. It's certainly a mouth-watering prospect, and it's expected there will be yet another crowd of more than 40,000 cheering on Jonas Eideval's team, with a few shouting for Emma Hayes' blues, no doubt. The Gunners' last Women's Super League match at Emirates Stadium was a disappointing 3-2 defeat at the hands of Manchester United on November 19th, when the team surrendered a winning position in the final five minutes, courtesy of headers from Millie Turner and Alessia Rosso, as the set-piece specialists stunned the home crowd. But typically, the team then showed their mettle to bounce back with a 1-0 win over Everton at Meadow Park with an attacking performance that merited more than just Vivian Miedema's superb goal. In fact, the Gunners had a remarkable 33 shots in the match, 14 on target. Most recently, Arsenal travelled to Aston Villa at Villa Park and roared back from going a goal behind after just six minutes to claim a comfortable 4-1 victory. A Rachel Corsi own goal after good work from Katie McCabe brought Adeval's team level on 26 minutes and just four minutes later, Midema volleyed through a crowd of Villa defenders to give us the lead. In the second half, McCabe rifled home her first of the season, just after the hour mark, and, with the game drawing to a close, substitute Jordan Nobbs wrapped up the scoring by converting Caitlin Ford's right-wing cross. Viv and Beth injury blow. 
The Gunners have been handed a double injury blow since we were last in the Premier League action, with both Beth Mead and Vivian Miedema suffering anterior cruciate ligament injuries. That will keep them out over the coming months. Firstly, Beth suffered the injury in our 3-2 defeat to Manchester United at the Emirates Stadium on November 19th. That was followed less than a month later by Viv picking up a similar injury in our 1-0 defeat at home to Lyon on December 15th. Both players had been in sparkling form, with Beth finishing runner-up in the women's Ballon d'Or and Viv scoring in four consecutive games after being given a period of leave in November. We wish both players well in their recovery and will keep you posted on their progress over the coming months. Leia leads the comebacks. We do at least have some good news on the injury front as Leia Williamson, Raphael Souza and Kim Little have all made their comebacks from injury in recent weeks. Leia returned to make her 200th Arsenal appearance from the bench in the 1-0 win over Everton before starting the following match, the 1-0 win over Juventus in the Champions League on December 7th, with fellow centre-back Raphael also featuring in that match. And although she didn't make it onto the pitch, Kim was back on the bench for the 1-0 home defeat to Lyon on December 15th. Welcome back to all three. Gunners gear up for FA Cup. Arsenal would begin their bid for a record-extending 15th Women's FA Cup by taking on either Leeds or Stoke City at Meadow Park. The match is scheduled to take place on Sunday, January 29th at 1pm, although details are subject to change. Leeds and Stoke were scheduled to meet in the second round on December 18th, but the match fell victim to the weather and will be rearranged in due course. Stoke City are currently sixth in the third-tier Women's National League North, while Leeds, who lost both the 2006 and 2008 FA Cup finals to the Gunners, are one rung below and sit fifth on Division 1 North. It's Chelsea next! There's not long to go now until we're back in Women's Super League action here at Emirates Stadium. And we want your support for our clash against reigning Women's Super League champions, Chelsea, on Sunday, January 15th. This will be our third Women's Super League game of the season at the Emirates, where a record-breaking crowd of 47,367 watched Jonas Eideval's side defeat Tottenham Hotspur 4-0 in September, and then 40,064 turned out to see Manchester United edge an epic clash with two late goals in November. The match will kick off at 12pm and you can purchase your tickets by scanning the QR code in the programme. Fixtures and results 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, Women's Super League, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, Women's Super League, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, 
Home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United. Home, WSL, 3-1. 6 November, Leicester City. WSL, 4-0. 10th November, Manchester United. Home, WSL, 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 1-1. 3rd December, Everton. Home, WSL, 1-0. 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon, home, UCL, 0-1. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL. 15th Jan, Chelsea, home, WSL. 22nd January, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. 29th Jan, Leeds Stoke City, home, FAC. 5th February, West Ham United, WSL. 11th February, Manchester City, WSL. 5th March, Liverpool, home, WSL. 12th March, Reading, home, WSL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. Visitors. West Ham United. 30 years of the Premier League. Games 1011. Wins 339. Losses 417. Goals 1247. Goals conceded 1446. Seasons in the Premier League 26. Highest position 5th 1998-99. Lowest position, 20th, 2010-11. Finished in the top half, 9. Most appearances, Aaron Creswell, 269. Most goals, Mikhail Antonio, 58. West Ham returned to Premier League action hoping for a fresh start to what has so far been a surprisingly disappointing season. While David Moyes' side have, like Arsenal, been impressive in Europe, Domestically, their form has fallen well short of expectations. Sixth and seventh at the end of the last two Premier League campaigns, the Hammers dropped to 16th place going into the World Cup shutdown, just a point clear of the relegation zone. There was no suggestion back in the summer that West Ham were destined for a season of struggle. Not only did they qualify for Europe for the second season running with that seventh place finish in the Premier League, but they were also Europa League semi-finalists last term, topping their group, then memorably knocking out Sevilla and Lyon before falling to eventual winners Eintracht Frankfurt. Furthermore, the Hammers boosted their playing squad considerably during the summer. Although long-serving skipper Mark Noble hung up his boots and a few fringe players departed, there was major investment in new recruits Neef Ogiard from Rennes, Thilo Kehrer from Paris Saint-Germain, Maxwell Cornet from Burnley, 
Gianluca Scamaccia from Sassuolo and, most eye-catching of all, Lucas Paqueta from Lyon. Defeats in their opening three league games, a pair of nil-two losses at the London Stadium to Manchester City and Brighton, sandwiching a nil-one reverse away to newly promoted Nottingham Forest, had West Ham on the back foot right from the start. And although they then won 1-0 at Aston Villa, they have since claimed just one point from five further away fixtures. They have also lost their last two at home, against Crystal Palace 1-2 and Leicester 0-2. Eliminated from the Carabao Cup by Blackburn Rovers on penalties, West Ham Solace has come in Europe, where they have won all eight matches in the UEFA Europa Conference League, beating Viborg in the qualifying playoffs and doing the double over Anderlecht, Silkeborg and FCSB to top their group. They will not return to that competition until March, but by then they will hope to have risen up the Premier League table and also progressed in the FA Cup, although they face a tricky third-round tie away to Brentford early next month. The boss, David Moyes, manager, born 25th of April 1963, Glasgow. Previously, Preston, nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand and two, Everton, two thousand and two to twenty thirteen, Manchester United, twenty thirteen stroke fourteen, Real Sociedad, twenty fourteen stroke fifteen, Sunderland, twenty sixteen stroke seventeen, West Ham, twenty seventeen stroke eighteen. Reappointed as West Ham boss in December 2019 after a first spell in 2017 stroke 18, David again steered the club to Premier League safety and was duly rewarded with a permanent contract, which has proved a smart move given the club's success over the past two campaigns. The Scot earned his reputation during an 11-year sojourn at Everton, but after replacing Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, he failed to see out the season. Then, after a brief spell at Real Sociedad, he took over at Sunderland, only to suffer relegation from the Premier League. Number 41. The skipper, Declan Rice, midfielder. Born Kingston-upon-Thames, 14th of January 1999. Previously, none. Declan started all five matches for England at the World Cup in Qatar to take his total of caps for the three Lions to 39. The 23-year-old midfielder has become as important to his country as he has been for the past five years for his club. With Mark Noble retired, he has also taken on the Hammers' captaincy and, leading consistently by example, has not missed a minute of Premier League action so far this term. His one goal coming in a 1-1 draw at Southampton. Number 1. The former gunner, Lukas Fabianski, goalkeeper. Born Kostrazin, Poland, 18th of April 1985. Previously, Legia Warsaw, Arsenal, Swansea. Evergreen goalkeeper Lukas joined West Ham in 2018 and has been a pivotal figure in the club's recent rise to prominence. An Arsenal player for seven years, although seldom first choice, he left for Swansea after the 2014 FA Cup final win and moved from South Wales to East London after the Swans' relegation for a £7 million fee. The 37-year-old rivalled another former gunner, 
Wojciech Szerzynski for many years as Poland's number one before withdrawing his services last year. Number 20. The Pocket Dynamo. Jared Bowen, forward. Born, Leominster, 20th of December 1996. Previously, Hereford, Hull. Jared joined West Ham in January 2020 for an £18 million plus fee, having become hot property with 52 championship goals in two and a half seasons for Hull. The lively left footer was Hammer's top scorer last season with 18 goals in all competitions, including 12 in the Premier League, which prompted a first call-up for England, although he did not make the 26-man party for Qatar. He has managed just five goals this term, three in Europe and two in the Premier League, all in victories. Number 28. The ever-present. Thomas Suchek, midfielder. Born Havlikov Broad Czech Republic, 27th of February 1995. Previously, Slavia Prague, Victoria Zizkov, loan, Slovan Liberec, loan. Thomas was acquired on loan from Slavia Prague in January 2020 and subsequently signed a permanent deal for £19 million that has proved a bargain fee. The rangy 27-year-old's midfield drive, aerial prowess and goal-scoring ability earned him the Hammer of the Year award at the end of the 2020-21 season in which he played every minute in the Premier League. A regular Czech international with 56 caps and 9 goals, he has also started all 15 league games for his club this term, scoring one goal. Number 22. The set-piece expert. Saeed Benrama, midfielder, born Ain Temoshent, Algeria, 10th of August 1995. Previously, Nice, Angers, Lone, Gazalek, Ajaccio, Lone, Chateau Roux, Lone, Brentford. Algeria international Saeed was one of the stars of the championship in 2019-20, scoring 17 goals for Brentford and earning him a place in the PFA Team of the Year. The Premier League inevitably beckoned and he opted to swap West London for East by joining West Ham, initially on loan then three months later in a £25 million permanent transfer. The gifted 27-year-old scored 11 goals last season and has four this term, including the Hammers' last two in the Premier League. Number 11. The new boy from Brazil, Lucas Paqueta, midfielder, born Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 27th of August 1997. Previously, Flamengo, AC Milan, Lyon. Lucas was a regular for Brazil at the World Cup in Qatar starting four matches and scoring one goal in the 4-1 round of 16 victory over South Korea. He had also been a prominent figure during their unbeaten qualifying campaign, which made his arrival at West Ham from Lyon in the summer for an undisclosed club record fee quite a coup. The skillful 25-year-old left footer has yet to fully acclimatise to the Premier League but much is expected of him over the next five months and beyond. Number 24. The new boy from Germany, Thilo Kehrer, defender, born Tübingen, Germany, 21st of September 1996, previously Schalke, Paris Saint-Germain, 
A versatile defender, Tilo has been deployed at both right-back and centre-back by David Moyes since his arrival in the summer from Paris Saint-Germain and has started the Hammers' last 13 Premier League games. He joined on a four-year contract, having spent the same number of seasons in Paris, where he won seven domestic trophies, including three Liga 1 titles. Capped 24 times by Germany, he made his tournament bow at the 2022 World Cup, but made just one appearance in Qatar, in a 1-1 draw against Spain. Number 7. The new boy from Italy, Gianluca Scamacca. Forward. Born Rome, Italy, 1st of January 1999. Previously, Sassuolo, Cremonese, loan, PEC Zvola, loan, Ascoli, loan, Genoa, loan. Gianluca was selected ahead of Michel Antonio as West Ham's first choice central striker in each of their eight Premier League fixtures leading up to the World Cup break, scoring in the first two wins against Wolves and Fulham to go with his four goals in the Europa Conference League. The 23-year-old Italy international joined in July on a five-year contract from Sassuolo for whom he scored 16 Serie A goals in a breakthrough 2021-22 campaign following several loan moves. Scouting Report Words Michael Cox Photography Getty Images the unprecedented mid-season break from Premier League football probably came at a good time for West Ham United as David Moyes' side find themselves languishing in 16th place, just one point off the relegation zone, and in need of a reset. Having finished 7th last season and made a couple of good signings in Gianluca Scamaccia and Lucas Paqueta, it has been a curiously bad first half of 2022-23 for the Hammers. West Ham weren't overly affected by World Cup duty either, as only five players were in Qatar. Alphonse Arolia is the club's backup goalkeeper behind Lucas Fabianski and didn't play a minute for France anyway. Tilo Kera didn't progress past the group stage with Germany, while Declan Rice and Paqueta both returning after the quarterfinals is better than Moyes might have feared. Naif Agued went deep into the competition with Morocco, but he'd barely played anyway since his summer arrival from Rennes because of injury. Moyes has generally used a 4-4-1-1 formation this season, although he's twice turned to a three-man defence, when his side has faced a strike duo, which won't be the case here, and used a 4-4-2 away at Anfield with Jarrod Bowen more a second striker than a right winger. The season started slowly for West Ham because of injuries in defence. At one point they had four centre-backs out, so it didn't help that they faced Erling Haaland on the opening weekend. Kurt Zuma has been the most dependable performer at the back, with newcomer Kera fielded either in the centre or at right back. Craig Dawson is the alternative, although in West Ham's last game before the break he was caught out by the speed of Leicester's Patson Dacca, clumsily fouling him for a penalty. Aaron Cresswell remains a dependable option down the left and can tuck inside to become a third centre-back if needed, with Emerson Palmieri coming into the side as a wing-back. Kera, Ben Johnson and Vladimir Kufal are the options on the right. 
the central midfield duo is almost without fail Rice alongside Thomas Suchek. Rice has provided some of West Ham's best moments this season by carrying the ball forward, while Zuchek is about off the ball running and providing an aerial threat in the box. Ahead of them, Bowen's form has been up and down, but his directness from the right causes serious problems. Pablo Fornals offers technical quality and stamina. Syed Ben Rama is an elusive playmaker who can shoot from range and Flynn Downs has impressed when breaking forward. Manuel Lanzini and Maxwell Cornet also offer star quality. The most promising thing about West Ham's performances, though, has been the link-up play between the two newcomers, Paqueta and Skamaka. They combined particularly well in the 3-1 victory over Fulham, probably West Ham's best display of the season so far. The arrival of Skamaka means Mikel Antonio has generally been used from the bench. Moyes hasn't shown much interest in starting them together. Issues up front. Gianluca Skamaka is the Hammers' top scorer this season with six, although four of them have come in Europe and only two in the league. That still makes him the club's joint top scorer in the PL, however along with Jared Bowen, Said Ben Rama and Mikel Antonio. The fact that only four other players have scored a single goal each highlights one of the Hammers' big problems so far this campaign. Inside Job, Matthew Joseph. Each programme, we catch up with a member of staff to find out more about what makes the club tick behind the scenes. Today, we hear from Matthew Joseph, who was a youth team player with us in the late 1980s and early 90s and has returned this season as academy coach developer. Here, he tells us about his role. My Arsenal journey started back when I was 12 or 13. I'd actually started in football quite late. I was at school in Islington and was playing for the district and county sides when I got scouted. I trained with Arsenal until I was about 14, before I went to the national school at Lillishall until I was 16. I came back to Arsenal and signed YTS forms, then signed pro for a year before I was released at the age of 19. I was in the same age group as Ray Parler, Paul Dickoff, Mark Flatts, Scott Marshall, quite a few that actually went on to the first team. I really enjoyed those days. They are right up there with my best times in football. I was with a group I really enjoyed being with, and we were successful as a youth team. I had different attributes to the other players, but in hindsight, I wasn't confident enough to play for the Arsenal first team. When I was in my first year of YTS, we won the league title, and my first year as a pro, we won the league again, so the standard was incredibly high at the time. As an aspiring defender, I wasn't going to displace the likes of Lee Dixon, Steve Bold, Tony Adams or Nigel Winterburn. Then behind them was David O'Leary. I wasn't good enough to get in that team. I started off as a wide player, then tried to move to fullback because there were just too many players ahead of me in the reserves. You had people like David Rowcastle, Paul Davis and Michael Thomas. Then even the likes of Colin Pates and Siggy Johnson were playing reserve team football at the time. Andy Cole had gone on loan too, so there were loads of players trying to come through and there was a bit of a bottleneck. 
you had to be the best of the best. I grew up as an Arsenal fan, so when I was released it was one of the most traumatic times of my career. In today's world, you would say it was handled badly, but back then it was just how it was done. That day I walked into the marble halls as an Arsenal player and walked out of them just like everyone else. It was a very close decision whether I stayed for another year or not, but in the end I was told that they were releasing me, and that was that. At the time, it was a shock. I really didn't expect it. To be honest, they broke my heart. I loved being at Arsenal and met some people who I'm still close with today. I worked in the box office as part of my work experience, and people like Lynn Cheney and Joe Harney are still here now. I've known them for 30-odd years. There are others that I still speak to who I've known basically all my life. I was only here as a player for a few years, but I made lifelong connections in that time, which to me tells you everything about being at this club. So, when I had an opportunity to come back here in this present role, well, there are only a few clubs I would have left the FA for. I worked for the FA for 15 years, So to come back here now is like finishing the cycle for me. I played for England as a youngster at Lillishall, then worked for them for all that time after my playing days, but now I really feel fortunate to have come back to Arsenal for a second time. When I left here as a player, I went to 21 clubs in about 18 months. I had lots of rejections and signed three pro contracts, but two of those clubs were under embargo so they couldn't be ratified. Eventually, I went to Watford for a few weeks, and from there got a trial at Cambridge and signed for them. After five years there, I played for Leighton Orient, and at 32, I went into non-league. That's when I started my coaching qualifications, because I knew at that time I wanted to go down that road. I started by doing some volunteering work, and began making contacts in the game that have stood me in good stead ever since. I was with the likes of Martin Ling, Alex Inglethorpe and Dean Smith at Leighton Orient, then Richard Allen, who was academy manager at QPR, and is now working in Japan. In fact, two of the players who I worked with then are now working at Arsenal. Leonard Smith, the goalkeeping coach, and Mehmet Ali, our under-21 head coach. I started working at the FA on grassroots football as one of the skills coaches, helping to upskill coaches at that level and going round the schools as well to provide provision there. After about three years, I became a regional coach developer. My remit covered London, Middlesex, Cambridgeshire, Amateur, Jersey and Guernsey FAs, so lots of coaches to work with. Essentially, it was coaching coaches and putting programmes on before moving on to do the same role but with professional clubs. I did that for 10 years, and in the last three of those years, Arsenal was one of the clubs I worked with. An opportunity then came up here, which I applied for, and thankfully I got. So, now I do a similar job here, working with the coaches in the academy at Hale End predominantly, and sometimes at London Colney. I'm only a few months into the role, so I'm still getting to know all the players, But whenever there are sessions going on at any age group, I'm out there working with them, watching our coaches and seeing how we are developing the next generation of coaches. The scale of the academy here is much bigger than when I was a young player, but coaching is still coaching. The extra resources we have nowadays are helpful, 
but they are not the be-all and end-all, especially if you can be impactful with the players and help them where needed. My first couple of months here have been busy, fun, enjoyable, all of the above. I'm trying to make sense of everything first, because when you get here, you appreciate how big a club Arsenal really is. There is football literally every day. Here at Hale End, you could watch football Monday through Sunday every single week. It's relentless, so there's a lot for me to get into, and it's something I'm looking forward to. What we want essentially is for every single one of the kids to be a success here, but realistically, that's not going to happen. So, what we can do is make sure we value them, give them all a great experience, and instill that Arsenal DNA in them, even if they go on to leave the club for elsewhere. We want them to have a good time and to have spent it with good people. Every player matters and every second of their development counts. At the moment, the team are top of the table and long may that continue. But what that means is that the standard these young players have got to reach is even higher and the expectations are even higher. You can't just be really good you need to be outstanding. And that's the challenge that motivates us every day. Mad Junction Arsenal versus Brighton and Hove Albion Carabao Cup, third round, Wednesday, November the 9th, 2022, 7.45pm, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal won, scored by Nketiah in the 20th minute. Brighton and Hove Albion, three, scored by Walbeck in the 27th minute with a penalty. Mitoma in the 58th minute and Lamptey in the 71st minute. Timeline, 20. Nketiah gives us the lead with a fine finish running on to Nelson's pass. 26th minute, Hine brings down Walbeck in the box for a penalty. 27th minute, Welbeck tucks home the spot kick. 58th minute, Mitoma puts Brighton ahead with a good finish. 71st minute, Lamptey seals the win for the visitors. Mikel Arteta said, Losing is disappointing, but the way the boys tried and played and the amount of changes that we had to make because of the congestion, we have to protect the players and give them chances. I'm really happy with that, but obviously we wanted to continue in the competition and unfortunately we are out. Thanks. Carl Hine made his first team debut to become the 894th player in our history. This defeat brought an end to our 12-match winning streak at Emirates Stadium. This is only the second time we have lost from our past 20 League Cup third-round ties. Stats Expected goals, Arsenal 1.59, Brighton 2.05. Possession, Arsenal 57%, Brighton 43%. Total shots, Arsenal 22, Brighton 13. Shots on target, Arsenal 4, Brighton 4. Completed passes, Arsenal 431, Brighton 335. Corners, Arsenal 8, Brighton 2. Tackles 1. Arsenal 6. Brighton 15. Yellow cards. Arsenal 2. 
Brighton 2. Red cards, none were given. The photograph with this report in the print version of the programme has the caption Rob Holding and Reese Nelson thank the crowd for their support on a disappointing night. Match action. Wolves versus Arsenal. Wolves nil, Arsenal 2. Arsenal scorer, Odegaard. 54th minute, 75th minute. Saturday, November 12th, 2022. Molyneux Stadium. Timeline. 6th minute. Jesus has the ball in the net, but it's ruled offside. 36th minute. Jesus hits the bar after being played in by Saka. 44th minute. Gabriel makes a vital block. 54th minute. Odegaard taps in Vieira's cross from close range. 75th minute. Odegaard doubles the lead after Martinelli's shot is saved. Martin Odegaard. It was brilliant. It was a tough one. I think we had to dig deep today. The first half was a bit slow. We were struggling on the ball to create the chances, really. They defended well, and we know they're always dangerous on the counter, so it was a difficult game. And then we changed a few things. We sped up the game a little bit in the second half. Facts. This was our sixth away clean sheet of the season, as many as we managed in the whole of the last Premier League campaign. We ensure we're top on Christmas Day for the first time since 2007. We move five points clear at the top of the table, the biggest lead we've had since December 2013. We've scored in each of our past 30 matches against Wolves, stretching back to 1979. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at four more, starting with a classic Podolski left-footed hammer. Lucas Podolski, Arsenal 6, Southampton 1, September 15, 2012. AFC goals in the 31st minute, 21. Lucas Podolski arrived with a big reputation when he signed in the summer of 2012, or rather, more specifically, he arrived with a reputation as a forward with a lethal left foot. His first goal at Emirates Stadium proved that the rumours were true. With just over half an hour on the clock, we won a free kick 10 yards outside the penalty area and just left of centre. Up stepped Podolski, who fired up and over the wall into the top corner. It was curled with pace and power, just under the crossbar, giving Kelvin Davis no chance in the Southampton goal. Nicholas Pepe, Wolves 2, Arsenal 1, February 2nd, 2021. AFC goals in the 32nd minute, 21. This game is generally best forgotten with two red cards reducing us to nine men and seeing us let a well-deserved lead slip. But our goal was a work of art. It was just reward for a dominant first-half performance and looked to be setting us well on the way to victory. Alex Lacazette passed to Nicolas Pepe near the left touchline and he immediately ran at the home defence beating Nelson Semedo before nutmegging Ruben Neves and smashing home right-footed into the far corner. It was later voted as Arsenal.com Goal of the Month. Theo Walcott, 
Arsenal 2, Manchester City 1. December 21st, 2015. AFC goals in the 33rd minute, 20. A stunning effort from 20 yards to send the Emirates crowd crazy and set up a memorable win over City. This clash between second and third had been even in the opening half hour, but Theo Walcott opened the scoring in some style. Mesut Ozil ran at the defence and slipped a pass through looking for Nacho Monreal. Walcott intercepted though, shifted onto his right foot outside the box and flashed a curling shot past Joe Hart inside the far post. The win moved as just two points off leaders Leicester. Emmanuel Petit Arsenal 1, Derby County 0 April 29, 1998 AFC goals in the 34th minute, 16 A vital game during the 1997-98 run-in was decided by this screamer from French midfielder Emmanuel Petit. The nerves were beginning to flutter a little as Derby came to Highbury with six points still needed for the title from our final four games. Derby had beaten us 3-0 earlier in the season, and this evening did not start well. Our talisman, Dennis Bergkamp, was substituted on the half-hour with a hamstring injury. But just four minutes later, Petit lifted the mood with a cracker. The ball fell to him 22 yards out, and he took a touch and rocketed a left-foot shot into the net. Teams. Teams For Arsenal Manager Mikel Arteta Shirt red with white sleeves Shorts white Socks red 1. Aaron Ramsdale Goalkeeper 3. Kieran Tierney 4. Ben White 5. Thomas Partey 6. Gabriel Magalhães 7. Bukayo Saka 8. Martin Odegaard 9. Gabriel Jesus 10. Emil Smith-Rowe 11. Gabriel Martinelli 12. William Saliba 14. Edion Kitia 16. Rob Holding 17. Cedric Suarez 18. Takehiro Tomiyasu 21. Fabio Vieira 23. Albert Sambi Lokonga 24. Reese Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 27. Marquinhos 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Alexandra Zinchenko 83. Ethan Nguaneri For West Ham United Manager David Moyes Shirt black, shorts black, socks black 1. Lucas Fabianski, goalkeeper 2. Ben Johnson 3. Aaron Creswell 4. Kurt Zuma 5. Vladimir Kufal 7. Glenn Lucas Camacho 8. Pablo Fornals 9. Mikhail Antonio 10. Manuel Lanzini 11. Lucas Paqueta 12. Flynn Downs 13. Alphonse Areola, goalkeeper 14. Maxwell Cornet 15. Craig Dawson 20. Jared Bowen 21. Angelo Ogbonner 
22. Said Ben Rachma. 24. Tilo Kera. 27. Naya Fagad. 28. Tomasz Suchek. 32. Connor Coventry. 33. Emerson Palmieri. 35. Darren Randolph, goalkeeper. 41. Declan Rice. 50. Harrison Ashby. Referee, Michael Oliver. Assistant referees, Stuart Burt. Simon Bennett. Fourth official, Graham Scott. VAR official, Darren England. Additional VAR official, Darren Can. Today's other fixtures. 3pm kick-off unless stated. Brentford vs Tottenham Hotspur at 12.30pm. Crystal Palace vs Fulham. Everton vs Wolves. Leicester City vs Newcastle United. Southampton vs Brighton and Hove Albion. Aston Villa vs Liverpool at 5.30pm. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Eighteen eighty six. Adidas Arsenal. New 22-23 third kit. Available now at the Armoury and ArsenalDirect.com. No room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere. And we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it. And together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League, Arsenal. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 